Welcome to the Two-Year Bible, a custom-designed two-year Bible reading plan with a weekly podcast by myself, Chris Case, pastor here at Resonate Church, and Sarah Pasquale, our executive director. Hey, everybody. And so week seven, uh, you're trucking along with us, and uh, hopefully you're enjoying your reading. We're um, going to be kind of wrapping up here of the book of Genesis. Uh, we're getting a little closer to Jerusalem and Luke, and so... Um, yeah, it's only taken us almost two months to get through two books. And so uh, we pick up with Joseph in prison. Yeah. And so we, we, we kind of stopped it at a pretty dark part of the story where Joseph had just gotten imprisoned. Um, but he finds this baker and this wine uh, cupbearer and, um, and interprets their dreams. He does what he seems wired to do, which is be able to understand people's dreams and interpret it for them. Yeah. And I don't think we can do. We can't deny God's sovereignty in the cupbearer forgetting about Joseph. There was a reason he needed or he was to remain in prison for longer. We don't know that reason necessarily, but God allowed that. Yeah. Nine years of famine and seven years of surplus or whatever, vice versa, just doesn't match up as well. So (laughs) they had to wait two more years for the seven and seven. And so... um, but Joseph, uh, uh, the cupbearer, knows that Pharaoh has a stream, um, brings Joe up from the, the prison cell to help interpret it. Um, and I find it really interesting. And, 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 and maybe this is in here, maybe it's not. But um, all the magicians of Pharaoh, all the people who, who do interpret dreams for him, seem to not be able to figure this, this, this dream out. And then Joseph whose history includes a story of seven years with um, a less attractive one than seven years with an attractive one, because like that's the story of his dad and, and his mom and stepmom. I don't even know what she would be called um, with Rachel and Leah. And, and I wonder if because of his history, because of his story, he hears this dream and it's like, oh, I know what those sevens are. Those sevens make sense to me because I, this, I've seen this before with the seven ugly cows and the seven fat cows. Or the, like this, this is like my family. And so he's able to interpret based upon his own experience in history. But maybe not. I just think it might be there. I think it's really interesting. I think it's a neat connection. And, but Worth considering. Here's, here's the good thing. Joseph is blessing the nations um, mm-hmm. through who he is, through his presence, through his giftings. He is finding a way to, to bless Egypt and in turn bless all the other nations who will end up in famine and be drawn to Egypt in this process. Yeah. And despite, you know, a young adulthood of deep, deep suffering, Joseph continues to point to God. He hasn't given up on God. He hasn't rejected God. He trusts God. Yeah. He's constantly saying God will do this and God will do that, um, which is great. And then um, famine hits. Joseph's brothers need some food, um, and they head down to Egypt uh, to to go figure that out. Uh, they leave Benjamin behind. Certainly, uh, Jacob is still kind of playing favorites. The two kids from Rachel are definitely uh, get preferred status in the household. Um, but they come, they bow down. The, the dreams that Joseph just spoke about are all starting to come true uh, in the story. Yeah, and I think you can see here in this chapter how guilty his brothers feel over what they did to Joseph. I mean, it's been decades since they've interacted and they are still thinking anything bad that happens to them is because they're being punished. So, I mean, I don't know that you can choose one, but I kind of think like I probably would rather be in prison with a clear conscience than live conscience rather than live under the weight and guilt of the destruction that they brought on their brother. That's, that's, that's good. That'll preach. And so, um, (laughs) But we get we get an odd break to me because uh, Reuben here goes, hey, um, why don't I, instead of me offering myself as a sacrifice, why don't I offer my two sons? Um, and then the very next story uh, we find about, about, about Judah 
being the one who actually steps up in the story. Um, I kind of feel bad for Simeon. They, they they left Simeon behind in Egypt and they don't actually go back and deal with the Simeon problem until they run out of more food. Um, but Judah's the one who steps up, which once again, mm-hmm. it's it's the redemption of Judah in the story. He's the one who really caused this problem. But now he's the one saying, look, if, if I'm, I'm willing to die um, to, to go, um, send me uh, when Reuben's like, send my kids. And so um, in some ways, Judah, Jesus is like the better Judah here. Like Judah is willing to offer his own death at, at, for the, for the saving of a brother. And Jesus does that for the saving of his brothers and sisters. And it's a reminder to us to trust God's timing and softening hearts. Many of us have maybe had a circumstance or an experience in our life where we are holding bitterness or anger towards someone, or we believe they will never, ever, ever do right. Um, but we all want God to show us mercy and patience as our hearts soften. So let's um, be generous in showing mercy and patience to others as God softens their hearts as well. Yeah, that's great. And then the brothers end up in Egypt again, and Joseph kind of tests them and hides a cup and um, goes through this whole uh, rigmarole of trying to um, see if things have really changed for his brothers. I think it is a genuine test for him of going, hey, have my brothers changed? I think Joseph has forgiveness of his brothers, but he also wants to see, are they are they different than they used to be? Um, and and Judah, once again, and, and, and is willing to, to lay his life down for Benjamin, who is the one that kind of gets tricked into being caught. Um, and Judah's like, look, take my life. Don't take his. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it's, it's pictures of Jesus once again. And I, I just want to read verses five through eight of chapter 45 because it's central to this book and it becomes a theme that we follow through all of the rest of the Bible. Yep. Um, Joseph says to his brothers, come near to me. And they came near and he said, I am your brother, Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here for God has sent me before you to preserve life for the famine has been in the land these two years. And there are yet five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvest. And God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to keep alive for you many survivors. So it was not you who sent me here, but God. And that's just, it's a powerful resolution and reconciliation there of Joseph offering forgiveness to his brothers and also saying uh, what we now say with Romans eight twenty eight is God works for our good and His glory in all things. Yep, yeah, it's 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 interesting because God um, takes a less active speaking role and very much a background sovereignty role mm. um, in the struggle of Joseph and his family and. <clears throat> um, yeah, for for an Israelite who was in slavery, it's like okay, God never really left us. Like circumstances were terrible. Yes, we were imprisoned in Egypt, um, just like Joseph was. But God hasn't left us, and so we'll see that. We'll see that in the Exodus story, where it's like God saw, God remembered, um, all these sort of phrasings around around how God responds. And then Jesus or uh, Joseph provides for his brothers and his family. He takes care of them. He welcomes them in. They have food, they have provision. Um, and, and Joseph uses his power, his position, his title, all that uh, to provide salvation for his brothers and forgiveness, which I mean, that's Jesus all over it again. Uh, Joseph, Jesus is just the better Joseph who provides for um, his brothers and sisters. He provides forgiveness for them and salvation uh, in a new kingdom in some ways. So, yeah. 
So let's do some New Testament. Let's jump ahead back to Luke uh, in Luke 10. Um, so uh, last week, uh, you, you or I guess two weeks ago now, you would have read uh, Jesus' kind of final uh, wrap-up that, of that week. They're celebrating that some people's names are written in heaven and, and all these kind of things. But I think he keeps kind of going with that, that, that idea where um, he thanks God that, that some eyes were, were opened. In, in that. Uh, but it's interesting because the way he uses this language, I mean, there, there's various things that point towards a reformed theology and uh, we'll deal with those particularly in Paul, but like some of Jesus's sayings are, there's no way around them. He basically says no one knows except those who are chosen by the son. And mm-hmm. um, there's, there's something about salvation being in the hands of Jesus and at his, um, at his uh, revealing opening eyes, allowing people to see um, they're, they're in his hands. But yeah. Yeah, and Jesus says things specifically to his disciples versus other things to large groups of people. And I think part of that is to prepare the disciples for what's to come after he's resurrected and ascended, and they're the leaders of the new church. Mm-hmm. But then Jesus teaches a, a fairly well-known parable, uh, and a parable that um, we name whole ministries after around this world. And so um, the parable of the Good Samaritan. And a lawyer comes up asking these questions and um, he's asking actually fairly common debate questions, uh, things that were debated amongst teachers and and other lawyers and how people interpret the law. And uh, Jesus <laughs> turns it on him and is like, well, how do you answer that question? Uh, and then um, he answers uh, in a way that follows a, a pretty popular rabbinic camp at the time. And, um, and then Jesus does something a, a bit uh, abnormal from that point on. Um, there was a common storytelling where you have the the same parameters in order to kind of interpret the story um, and see how different teachers interpret. And so there was a, there was a common story way of telling a story where there was a priest, there was a Levite, and then there was either an Israelite or a Pharisee um, in a storyline. And the priest and Levite usually do the wrong things and the Pharisee or the, the Israelite do the right things. But here Jesus flips it and, and goes, there was a priest, there's a Levite. And then there was a Samaritan where it's like, crickets in that room or in the crowd that would be like who (laughs) yeah if you did your research last week samaritans are despised yeah i mean they they worship the wrong thing they worship in the wrong mountain yeah there's and they're 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 mixed in terms of uh genetics so like the israelites would have looked at that as like a threat to the messiah's line all all, and there's all sorts of different pieces of why they dislike the samaritans rightfully or wrongly but um jesus is here um elevating the Samaritan as sort of the hero of the story. The, the one who they would have hated their enemy is the one who is showing neighborly love towards somebody else. And, and not only that, but like, I mean, this is another great Jesus tie-in. Like, yeah. So we see that, that we are facing a certain death until a man who was rejected by the Jews brings healing and leaves a deposit to keep him in care. And he goes away and promises to return and pay his debts. Jesus. So we interpret this in two ways. And one is that Jesus has done this for us. We're the person dying at the roadside and Jesus was the good Samaritan. And on the other side, Jesus says, go and do likewise. We are to look for those who are on the margins, for those who are forgotten, for those who are dying in their sin and also um, just uncared for, dying because of social justice issues and care for them. Sacrifice ourselves to help bring them to health and, and to salvation. 
yeah, the answer to who's my neighbor is not the person that lives next door necessarily. No, and and yeah. it's Jesus answers how to be a neighbor. He doesn't yeah. answer who your neighbor is. Right, and and the judgmentalism still the lawyer where he's like uh, the one who showed mercy. He doesn't even say <laughs> the not, Samaritan. Yeah. He's like I can't even say I don't the name. Say the word. Yeah, it's uh, so yeah, it's interesting. And then Martha and Mary, uh, which. Um, uh, I would argue it's probably more about um, heart postures than it is about the fact that Mar- Martha's busy and Mary's not. Um, there's there's Mary who is listening to the teachings, but the way Martha's described, it's less about her busyness, but like Jesus points out things about her heart. She's anxious. She's troubled. She's distracted. There's there's something uh, about um, her her attitude and not the fact she he doesn't go, why are you so busy? It's like, why are you anxious? Why are you troubled? Um that, that there's there's something about her heart that's just not matching up. Yeah, I feel like a lot of women's ministries and churches in general will preach like, be a Mary, not a Martha. And I think that's a misunderstanding of the passage. We all have different gifts to use, but it's about our heart posture and who we're serving. Right. Um, and it is important for us to sit at the feet of Jesus. And that was a posture of disciples back then. So what Jesus was doing was giving a tremendous amount of dignity and invitation to women who in other areas and circles were no not allowed to be learning at the feet of rabbi. So he's very, very countercultural here and invited Inviting women to have equal place in learning alongside yeah. men. Yeah, absolutely. And Luke, Luke certainly wants to highlight those parts of the story. Um, and be a Mary, Mar- not a Martha. Yes, be a Mary, but not in the way of busyness versus not. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Because Maria certainly highlighted as, as the good versus the bad. But yeah, don't have the anxious, troubled heart. And then Jesus teaches the Lord's Prayer here. Uh, where in Matthew, this would have been during the Sermon on the Mount, but, but Luke has it right here. Um, and there's some other ancient traditions that Jesus might be using as part of the Lord's Prayer. There were, there were ways that people prayed in sort of liturgical um, synagogue settings. And But I think the simplicity is Jesus is like, look, just pray. Um, I don't think he gives us a difficult template. It's, it's a pretty straightforward prayer. It's not the most complicated thing to interpret. Um, and and covers some of the major points of how to pray, like address God, think about okay. God's holiness, talk about God's kingdom, talk about God's provision for you, understand forgiveness, and understand like mm-hmm. sanctification in the process. And so, like that, that covers a pretty wide breadth of of the Christian experience. And and Jesus teaches them to pray that way. And then he includes this um, kind of follow up statement of 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 asking and knocking, and um, and and I think that the, the the little parable there, I think of simply to say, so, so, so just pray, like be direct, ask for what you need. And, and, and even more importantly, reminding them the one you're talking to, it's like, it's like a good father. Like it, it deals with a little bit of how we approach God in prayer. Like even in the, the Lord's prayer, you address him as father, but you also talk about his kingship. Like he's a dad, but he's also the king. Like all the different ways I think that make sometimes prayer, like there's a very personal with boldness, confidence, we can approach the throne. Like there, there's some of that, but then there's a reverence. The king. Yeah. He's knowing the he's king, the creator, like the know who you're still talking to. Yeah. Um, and this is another reminder that we need to know scripture. If we're going to ask according to God's will, you yeah. have to know what God's will is. You can't just yeah. decide it because you feel it. Yeah. When you say thy kingdom come, well, what's his kingdom about? Well, he's, he's told us in, yeah. in his word. Um, and then we get, uh, these people accuse Jesus of, driving out demons and, um, and, and doing so in the name of demons, which is that much more confusing. And Jesus points out, Hey, that, that doesn't line up. Like the demons aren't in a civil war with each other. That, that doesn't even make any sense to what you're accusing me of. Um, and then he gets into this conversation about stronger man, which Jesus is the stronger man. Like that there's, that's also not the hardest thing to interpret. There's, there's, 
Beelzebub, or, or maybe it's tied in the Beel. Like he is stronger than than any demonic force out there, and he's making that clear. Like he is the one who is the strong man who is bound, um, can bind demons, and has done so. Um, but then uh, there's an interesting tie-in between all these little sections because mm-hmm. we're going to get to the section where he's talking about now, like when you drive out demons, but the house is empty and when they come back and maybe like that much worse. Um, and it's interesting because at the end of um, the, the Lord's prayer section around verse 13, it talks about asking for, for the Holy spirit. And I wonder if that is all tied into the same theme of like, look, Jesus drove out the demon, but if we don't fill the empty house with the spirit of God, it's going to be problematic. And Jesus is like, ask for that. Ask for the spirit's filling. Ask for God's presence. Like that's the goal here. Driving out demons only accomplishes so much. And it may actually make things worse if we don't fill what has been driven out with the presence, with the spirit of God. And such, such an important piece, I think. Yeah. And I think it's good for us to remember as we fight sin, there's a place for discipline and not putting ourselves in the position of temptation. But there's also ways that we try to do it by our own strength. And we set up rules and make structures so we don't sin, but we're not considering the heart and the transformation that happens. And we keep falling into the same sin patterns again and again and again. When we have to understand that the only cleansing from sin is the work of Christ renewing us. Yeah. I wonder how much sometimes our our try and deal with sin is looking to the driving out of the demons and not beholding Christ and and seeing Christ as better and more satisfying than whatever it is that is drawing our attention away from him. Yeah. And then he, there's this (laughs) section that Sarah and I got some good laughs out of, of of this woman just kind of shouting out in the middle of the crowd around Jesus's mom and how blessed she is. And so I just imagine like the rumble of a whole crowd following him and her just yelling out is like, blessed is the womb. And, um, and then Jesus kind of responding to her blessed rather is the one who does what I tell him to do. Um, and so uh, it's such a, a little weird moment, but it is a fulfillment of, of prophecy. I mean, we, we hear about Mary that uh, people will rise up and call her blessed. And literally someone has raised up and called her blessed in the storyline. Uh, but Jesus, once again, kind of elevating of like, look, this is what real blessing looks like to, to follow me. Yes. Yeah, it's found through Christ and his word, not through who you have like rubbed shoulders right. with. Or- and, and that's what made Mary blessed was that she she listened to the Lord and obeyed. And so, yeah. Um, yeah. And then the sign of Jonah, uh, that, that little section. Um, I think what's at hand here is like, look, like the, the, the sign of Jonah, like the, the Gentiles of Nineveh. The, these these pagan Gentiles heard God's message and they repented. And this like Gentile queen of Sheba heard about the wisdom of God through Solomon. And and she came, she was drawn to it. And and like Jonah was like a terrible prophet and, and the Gentiles still repented. But but he's Jesus is saying, look, I'm I'm here. I'm giving signs. Like you guys want all these signs. I'm I'm here. I'm present. And and you guys aren't understanding it. You're rejecting it. You're wanting the wrong things. Like I'm present with you. The one greater than Jonah is here with you right now. And, and the Gentiles repented of that, but you guys aren't even listening to this. And I think it's a challenge to them. Yeah, and he did it intentionally when the crowds are increasing. And maybe in some ways as a deterrent or just a reminder, again, the call to follow Christ is a, is a call to come and die. And being a follower of Christ doesn't mean that that life will be easy and we don't want to make it so compelling and neglect as we share with people the fact that it's also an invitation to death and yeah. a challenging life. Definitely. And I think, 
post resurrection. I mean, there's also a way to interpret the, the sign of Jonah, the three days in the belly, yeah. the, 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 the prophet who was in the belly for three days and ultimately brought about repentance on the other side. Absolutely. But for the crowd, they wouldn't have thought that way. I think they're thinking like Jonah who went to the Ninevites who we did not like. Um, yeah. And then this conversation about light and, um, and, and I think what, what Jesus had, has at hand here with the good eye and the conversation about good eyes, really how you see the world. Do you see the world through through light, the good eye, uh, which ultimately Jesus is the light and Jesus is the lamp lighter. Um, do you see the world as Jesus sees it or do you see it differently? Do you see it, I don't know, pessimistically? Do you see it um, through consuming and, and patriotism? Do you see it all the different ways that we can sometimes have a certain worldview? Or do you see it through the worldview in the lens of Jesus? Yeah, or even eternal versus temporary. Do yeah. we believe what is true is what we can see in front of us and touch? Or do we believe it's heaven and our eternal life and inheritance? Yeah, do we see it through the lens of Jesus' kingdom, uh, both here and in the future? Yeah, so with Psalm 105, we're looking back at what God has done with the patriarchs. We're remembering God's goodness and faithfulness to his people, not because they earned it, but because God offered it. And so I'd encourage you to pull out Psalm 105 and write your own psalm like that. Look at your own history and write down what God has done. Yeah, and then... um I love how Eugene Peterson um, talks about one of these lines. He, he rephrases it. He says, keep your eyes open for God. Watch for his works. Be alert for signs of his presence. Like we just talked about that. Like have a good eye. Be be one who looks for God's works and sees God's works and remembers how God works uh, so you can see the world as is. Yeah. So what should we look for next week? So in the Old Testament, follow Jacob's heart change. This is an exciting week of learning more about Jacob and seeing him change his heart. And pay attention to when he's referred to as Jacob or when he's referred to as Israel in Genesis. And then in the New Testament, I'd say the main emphasis of next week's reading is going to be a challenge to really consider the eternal impact of what we do and the difference between salvation and judgment. So pay attention to the different parables and analogies Jesus gives to help us understand salvation and judgment. Yeah, and as you're reading through the New Testament, um, there's definitely a, a good number of um, Old Testament callbacks in this section. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, little stories, little phrases that um, I think Jesus is picking up on that that help bring a little more context to exactly what Jesus is saying. So um, use cross references. Try to try to look those things up because I think it'll really help you. And other than that, thanks, y'all. Thanks. Thanks.